You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Welcome everyone to part three of our series on the progressed U.S. Sun and the progressed United States Palace coming together May 28th, 2019. I hope you've enjoyed the first two episodes. In the last podcast, I talked a little bit about the discovery of Pallas happening five years before the same astronomer-physician discovered Vesta within a day. So um, I didn't talk much about the chart itself, but I wanted to, and I said it was an approximation. We don't know exactly what minute of the evening that um, William Heinrich Olbers of Germany found, uh, discovered Pallas. It's interesting that at around 1030 at night, he wasn't looking for it and he probably couldn't have found it anyway, but Neptune was near the ascendant. Pallas was at the end of Virgo, at the 30th degree of Virgo. Interesting that five years later, within a day, when he discovered Vesta, Vesta was in the same degree, 29 of Virgo. Um, in another podcast or story another time, I'll discuss a little bit more about the significance of uh, the last degree of the mutable signs. It's connected to um, the time when Lincoln was assassinated, where Jupiter was in the last degree of Sagittarius and stationary. And it's in another story that I wrote a long time ago, and I'll ha have to resurrect that and talk about it at some point. But discovery charts of, of Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, Chiron, all the asteroids, they're all very significant because they open doorways to the power of these particular celestial bodies. And one of the things I would say is that as you continue with your studies in astrology, and by the way, in the third year of our School of Planetary Studies, we now have it all online, and it's a tremendous resource. I started that back in the 1980s, in 1985, and it was for a group of students, and there's 36 one-hour sessions, including lesson notes and charts. And in the third sequence, the advanced sequence, there's a whole particular uh, session on the asteroids and the main asteroids. So that is something I incorporated back into my work within the classes that went to a whole group of students back in the 1980s. Um, but discovery charts are powerful, and it's not just the discovery degree of the actual body being discovered, in this case, Pallas Athena, March 28th, 1802, sometime in the evening, obviously after sunset, because they were using, he was using a telescope and he found it. Um, but the fact that, as an example, if we take the Pallas discovery position in late Virgo, and then five years later, the Vesta discovery position in Virgo, and we then superimpose those discovery positions in the United States birth chart, they both are located in the, in the top of the chart. Uh, around Neptune. See, Neptune was discovered in 1846 on September 23rd, pretty much by the mathematical computations of three astronomers. That position is at 22 plus a Virgo. So one of the things that had happened when the United States came into being uh, through the Declaration of Independence, and you can read more about that in The Astrology of America's Destiny by Dane Rudyard. There are a lot of people out there who might start disputing me and saying, oh, how come you're not using the chart for a different time of that day or the Articles of Confederation or some other kind of 
uh, chart. But the truth is, is that we celebrate uh, every year the birth of America on July 4th, 1776. And if you study Dane Rudger's work, it's really a true masterwork, The Astrology of America's Destiny, not to mention all of his other books. He clearly explains why that date is the birth of the country, and it has a lot to do with um, the first breath, the first uh, moment of breathing out our independence as the 13 colonies from Mother England. And when you read his words and his ideas, it becomes very clear. So at any rate, um, you take the discovery position of Pallas and late Virgo. Five years later, we find Vesta uh, through the same astronomer. And those positions, and that's what I'm trying to say here, is that even though Pallas itself in the United States birth chart in Aquarius is toward the bottom of the chart uh, with the moon and that position in the lower part of the chart is not as strategically helpful, shall we say, in terms of bringing women into positions of power in society, why it's more of a struggle. Um, the fact that the discovery positions of these two asteroids in Virgo go into the top of America's birth chart could very well be why over the course of time, and particularly with the women's liberation movements, that began in the 1800s and then continued in the 1900s and at the time of the uh, bringing in of the four main asteroids in 1973 by Eleanor Bach, that we now have so much more progress in terms of feminine and women's affairs throughout our entire society. Now, um, one of the things that's very interesting that I noticed, and I think I pointed this out in um, one of the stories on Robert Mueller, I don't know which one exactly, but in the discovery of Pallas chart, we see Jupiter. Remember, Jupiter is connected to Pallas because their mythologies go together. Jupiter, Zeus, king of the gods, whether you look at it in Roman or Greek mythology, uh, has a daughter who is born full armored from his head. So he's giving birth to his brainchild. And there's so much about Pallas as the it's, it's the daughter archetype, but particularly the father's daughter archetype. And there's just so much more to all of these connections and ideas. Um, but Jupiter is at 26 of Leo. And what's pretty astounding here is that that's the Venus position of Robert Mueller, and it's the Mars position of uh, President Trump. And part of the reason, which I explained in, in one of those two articles, of why Robert Mueller wound up being hamstrung, part of it is because uh, through the particular uh, key office within the within the Attorney General Department or the Department of Justice, which indicates that you cannot indict a sitting president, and this part of these rules that came up, oddly enough, connected to the Nixon and Clinton eras. And, and by the way, if you have an Attorney General in there who could easily overthrow that, uh, those rulings. It's not as if it's set in stone. It's just a policy within the Justice Department that was established. It's not some kind of law that can never be changed. It's not some part of a constitution. So it's something that actually another attorney general could simply overrule and say, yeah, a president, if he messes up and we don't like what he's doing and he's skirting the law or he's creating all these abuses, could be indicted. So this is part of the reason if the Democrats take over or whenever they do take over in the next, uh, whether it's in 2021 or 2025, the next time a, a, a non-Republican, probably a Democrat or independent gets into office and they install their own attorney general, that attorney general 
they might not want to do that at that point if if the president at, at that point she or he he or she is a democrat or independent but nevertheless if they were really ethical and wise and moral and uh they would overturn the the ruling that says a president can't be indicted and that they should sit that in there in order to have fairness and equality in, in the justice department so the Jupiter position of the, in the discovery of Pallas chart is meaningful, and so are all of these positions in one way or another. The other thing is that, of course, learning about all of this, the discovery of Pallas chart, and each one of you listening, you have Pallas in your birth chart. You have Pallas in a particular sign in particular aspects uh, to different celestial bodies. You have Pallas transiting around your chart, which is a transit that takes about four years to go around, make a complete orbit. You also have a progressed pal uh, palace. So learning more about the palace discovery chart is not just significant for what we're doing here with the United States uh, progressed palace and progressed sun coming together on May 28th. And, and as I said in the first and the second installments, just because that's the crescendo doesn't mean that in June, July, August, later in the year, next year, uh, things are going to still be very, very intense. It doesn't just go away uh, a day later, a week later, a month later, or even a year later. So if we looked at the progress chart for the United States six months later, after May 28th, uh, toward the end of the year, the beginning of 2020, those celestial bodies are still going to be very close together, and there's nothing else over there in the United States birth chart. So this illumination, remember, the sun is the source of illumination. It's a spiritual energy. It's a soulful energy. It has a lot to do with the, a, the character of a person and it has a lot to do with the character of a nation. And so the character of our nation is being tested, which is why so many different writers and pundits are talking about things like our better angels or the common good and the, the rule of law. Uh, one of the things that disturbed me going back and I was a writer at Michigan State University when I was only 18, 19, and 20 years old. So I go all the way back to 1968, 69, 1970, to that particular time period of the Vietnam War, uh, the different issues in America, the student revolutionary times in America and in France. We just had this whole, all these riots in France. 50 years after I wrote about student revolutions in France back in 1968, um, so what's going on here are these cycles that are very, very unusual and very powerful. But just keep in mind that this sun and palace energy coming together has to do with the character of who we are as a country. And that's why it's so significant, because the sun represents character and America's birth palace is with the moon. And this is another thing that's very intriguing. I mean, think about this. Every month when the moon and palace form a union, it's not only a significant cycle that pops up about every 27 plus days. That's a lunar cycle. So every 27 plus days after a, a moon palace conjunction, there's another one over and over. That'll mean 13 times in the course of a year, the moon and palace are coming together. It's the only lunar conjunction with an asteroid for the United States that existed when the United States came into being at the Declaration of Independence. Um, in checking the chart for Jefferson, I don't have that chart posted here, but I might at the future. He was born in April of 1743. And in his birth chart, 
Um, I noticed that Pallas is at 13 plus of Capricorn, which is exactly opposite the sun degree in the United States birth chart. And if memory serves correct, he was also born with Pallas trying to Venus. Um, and so that's a very powerful alignment to for him in terms of his life work and so on. And at another point, I'll talk about his chart and him being the first secretary of state and the formation of the State Department. And the other thing about Jefferson that's important is it was during the discovery of Pallas, Mar late March of 1802, that Jefferson was the third president of the United States coming into office on March 4th of 1801. And he... Uh, changed so much. That was the, the era of the Louisiana Purchase, which enormously uh, made the continental United States what it is now, without him and the whole Lewis and Clark expedition, expeditions and everything else. So aside from writing the Declaration of Independence, being the first Secretary of State, uh, by the way, he and Washington, this is a whole other subject that I wrote about many times in Welcome to Planet Earth, it's, it's what was called the forgotten cycle. What happens is every 250 years, Pluto, normally the outermost planet beyond Neptune, comes closer to the sun than Neptune, so they trade positions. And this happens every 250 years. At the time of Jesus, this was happening. So in what is probably considered 7 or 6 BC, one of the years that most probably was when Jesus was born, we had this condition of Pluto being inside Neptune's orbit. And then it happened 250 years later, and so on another 250 years went, uh, went by. Well, between the time when George Washington was born in 1732 into 1751, um, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson were both born when Pluto was inside Neptune's orbit. And the latest time that this happened was 1979 to 1999, which is exactly when Iran uh, became a revolutionary Islamic Republic. It was also the year that the Soviets invaded Afghanistan. In the middle of that whole cycle, ha halfway of the 20-year cycle from 1979 to 1999, in 1989 was when, uh, with George Herbert Walker Bush as president, um, the Berlin Wall fell. Um, and this was uh, when we had Voyager 2 uh, going to Neptune, seeing Neptune, which is the planet discovered in 1846, very close in time to when socialist revolutions and the Communist Manifesto came in with Marx and Engels in 1847-1848. Uh, and Neptune is a planet that has a lot to do with socialism and communism, both in its higher and its negative aspects. Um, so... These particular kind of connotations of Pluto moving inside Neptune's orbit, these kind of indications, as well as everything else, else with discovery of planets is totally fascinating. I've written a lot about the discovery of Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, as well as the discovery of Chiron in the pages of Welcome to Planet Earth, which unfortunately many of you have never seen, although the older su subscribers have seen that. Now, um, the U.S. Department of Justice, this is an interesting thing that I've only tapped into recently, um, in fact, only in the last week or two, because there's so many charts I start studying that um, it's hard to do all of them. It turns out that during the Grant administration in Congress, they um, made a decision in order to establish a Justice Department. The first attorney general had come into being when the, when the country started in 1789 in terms of, you know, Washington coming in and his original cabinet, we had an attorney general, 
but we didn't have a whole Department of Justice. And on June 22nd of 1870, President Grant signed that law. But if you go to the Justice Department website, they began operations on July 1 of 1870. So rather than use the time for when Grant signed the law creating the United States Department of Justice, considering the Department of Justice itself says it's founded July 1, which is, I guess, the first day of operations of 1870, um, we have that particular chart. So I'm going to include with this uh, uh, podcast that chart, okay? Um, there's another chart that's coming in here as well, so there's more than one chart. But that chart um, is a solar chart making believe that the sun is rising, the circle with the point in the center on the left side of the chart just below the sort of horizontal area that cuts through the center of the chart. But notice the enormous number of Gemini celestial bodies, Venus, Juno, Jupiter, Mars, Mercury, and Pallas. And notice, since I'm talking a lot about Pallas Athena representing law, judges, justice, uh, fair treatment under the law, everything I read from uh, Eleanor Bach and Zipporah Dobbins from in the last podcast. Um, so the, the Pallas energy is knowledge, it's wisdom, it's problem solving, it's genius. Um, but it but it also has to do with using law in the appropriate manner. And so this is very interesting that the Justice Department comes into being with an almost exact Mercury-Palace conjunction. So you have Mercury, the messenger of the gods, the planet of information and communication. It's also communication and transportation um, and all of these Gemini planets. Now, it turns out that if you connect this to William Barr, who is a sun sign Gemini, his son and I uh, talked about his chart in the April 18th Global Hotspot uh, piece of um, that, that we have in the Global Hotspot area about the moon conjunct palace with the map there, and then his chart is in there. And if you take his sun degree, it's right on the Venus-Juno conjunction of the Justice Department. So <laughs> he's also the probably, I think, the only person who has been the attorney general twice. And now he served two Gemini sun sign presidents. The first one being George Herbert Walker Bush, who was a sun sign Gemini. And now, because he wrote that 19-page memo last year and it sounded good to, to President Trump, hey, this is a person who doesn't believe a sitting president can be indicted, so on and so forth. He's passed through the, you know, the Congress. He was able to get in there. He talked about, you know, being fair to everybody and doing the right thing, apparently very on close, friendly terms with Robert Mueller, at least from the past. But nevertheless, now we have all these controversies. But it's amazing that we see the solar Gemini energy, which is the same solar energy in Gemini for President Trump, and that previously when he had the job, it was with a, the previous solar Gemini president, George, George Herbert Walker Bush I. And we see now that when the Justice Department came in July 1 of 1870, uh, the Venus Juno position in early Gemini is right where William Barr has his son. Another thing that's very interesting is that the moon in Leo, the moon is in Leo in this chart, not far from the Pluto position for President Trump, but this is also the moon somewhere in Leo in William Barr's chart. We don't have his exact birth time, but if you look back at the chart, his chart in the April 18th Global Hotspot article, you'll see that he has a moon in Leo. So again, he's in this kind of groove 
partly because his chart, his sun, his moon, they're connected to two of the presidents who are both Gemini presidents, and at the same time, his moon and uh, the, the Justice Department moon are in the same sign, and you don't often get those kind of connections. One other thing um, in, in uh, this, month, this particular issue uh, of the podcast, we're going to have a total solar eclipse on July 2nd. Um, it's in um, the area of South America, in the Southern Pacific down there, but it's going to take place at 10 plus of Cancer, which is actually the whole orbit, what we call the heliocentric orbit of Jupiter. So that event, the time period around late June and early July, we're going to have this tremendously powerful total solar eclipse. It's not like what happened where the total solar eclipse was going through the United States or the next one that'll happen in April 8th of 2024, going more through the southern eastern area of the United States. But every total solar eclipse is significant. And the fact that this total solar eclipse is going to happen within one unit or one degree of the U.S. Justice Department is another reason beyond the whole story of Pallas, Athena, and all its archetypes. We're going to have this reinforcement happening where a total solar eclipse is going to be right on the sun of the U.S. Department. Uh, Justice Department from its birth on July 1 of 1870. There are other connections which I want to explore in a future story having to do with Robert Kennedy. I don't want to get into all of that at the moment. However, it, I didn't know this, but in some of the pictures recently, I saw that the Department of Justice was renamed. The building is called the Robert F. Kennedy Department of Justice because he was the Attorney General during... Um, the time period when his brother was president from 1961 to 1963. And there are some profound connections between the July 1, 1870 Justice Department chart and Robert Kennedy's chart. And I will wait and talk about that in a future uh, podcast that's very significant. The last part, well, there's two more parts I want to bring up here. After... May 30th by transit, it, uh, two days after this big event of the Progress Sun for the U.S. and the Progress Palace coming together, as I've been saying, it's not as if suddenly everything dies off. There is a separation effect that starts happening after that date, but there are no agreements out in the realm of astrology about, well, a week later, the progression is, is weak, or a month later. To me, it could be significant all the way through 2020. And here's another thing. It will always be significant because the degree itself, 14 plus of Pisces, is very powerful and remains powerful because it's it's kind of impregnated with the sun palace energy or vibe. Now, this is interesting because remember the total lunar eclipse that happened on January 21st of this year. At that time which I was saying the, the sun was located at zero plus of Aquarius. By the way, that's where Pallas will make a station next May of 2020, where zero plus Aquarius. So that's amazing in and of itself. But the other thing that's, that's really significant here is there's always been a question mark in astrology, whether we could take a transit, a powerful transit and relate that to a progressed position. A lot of astrologers don't like to do that, but the the question has always been, could a transit, a slow-moving transit, particularly of an outer planet, could that significant influence the progression for a person, for a business, or for a country? So 
the interesting thing is 14 plus Pisces, the one degree out of 360 degrees in the United States secondary progress chart that's receiving this impact of Sun and Pallas. In January at the total lunar eclipse, which was also very significant in terms of national crisis, Neptune was exactly at 14 plus of Pisces. Now, here's the other thing that's astounding. Okay, so we've got the Justice Department chart. In a future uh, podcast, I want to connect that up to Robert Kennedy, um, which will open the door to other readings. But the last thing is a number of years ago, the, the great chess master, I call him great, but actually is very controversial because at a certain point, Bobby Fischer, the the only American grandmaster chess champion that's ever <laughs> beaten the Russians or ever beaten anybody, um, he kind of became a very anti-Semitic and hermetic figure and became very controversial in many ways and um, don't want to get into that whole story, but he he was born on March 9 of 1943, and we apparently have a birth chart that's fairly accurate. He was born in Chicago, wartime, 2.39 p.m. If you look at that chart, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is on a personal level. Are any of you people who like to play cards, do you like to play board games? Do you like to play word games? Well, everybody loves to do these things. As kids, we grew up with all the board games, whether it's Candyland or... Go Fish, card games, uh, uh, gin rummy and poker. And Americans love all of that. Uh, Games of chance and things like that. Uh, Crossword puzzles, uh, Sudoku, all of those kinds of things. Seeing patterns, you know, connecting up um, to solving, solving problems, solving riddles, solving enigmas. So look at the Bobby Fisher chart. I was just talking about 14 plus of Pisces. So look in the eighth house in his chart. It'll be like a double take. Wow. This guy was born when the sun and palace were in a conjunction uh, within four degrees. But here again, he's got that 14 plus of Pisces in his own chart. Now, the remarkable thing is this. He lived to be almost 60. He was 64 years old. He died on January 17 of 2008. By the way, when he won... The chess championship, which was a big deal, a kind of Cold War connection between America and Russia. This brings us back into the America-Russia deal. In 1972, he was experiencing his Saturn return. He's born with Saturn and Gemini. And the other odd thing is this is when I got into astrology, the summer of 1972. So it's odd to connect back with Bobby Fischer. Now, I'm not that much of a chess player myself. There are a lot. I, I, I like backgammon. My parents played backgammon, and that's one of the big games I like. And my parents both played cards different ways. And when um, I was growing up, my dad had a card game on Tuesday nights playing gin rummy. And he had some of he was a doctor, and he had some different doctors come over, and sometimes he went over to their place. But at any rate, sometimes I would keep score with them. Uh, for their gin game and learned all about cards and my dad would talk to me about humorous things they'd pair off different people he'd always say why does that why does this particular doctor always hold kings and queens and so on and then we lose we lose points in a game and uh, things like that but at any rate it was part of a way in which I got into mathematics the other way I got into all of this as a young person was through sports and being born in New York, where there's so many baseball teams and football and basketball teams and different schools. 
So sports was a big deal with all the numbers and batting averages and uh, names on uniforms and things like that. That's another story for another time. But here's the remarkable other part of the palace thing. So remember, palace has to do with seeing patterns, weaving things together. As I've been saying from the work of uh, Eleanor Bach and from Zipporah Dobbins and from other people, the whole thing about palace has to do with genius, intelligence, knowledge, wisdom, problem solving, strategizing, and the technologies, both good and bad, with all of these things, plus, of course, justice and being fighters of justice. Pallas Athena was also a goddess of war and the art of war. And so she was not um, a laid-back individual. She was a fighter for justice and equality. And it turns out that when Bobby Fischer passed away, and oddly enough, he won his championship in Reykjavik, Iceland, and he died in Reykjavik, Iceland, after having lived in different places. He died there, and Pallas came back exactly to its natal position at 14 plus a Pisces, conjunct Uranus, which is a planet of revolution and intuition and shocks and surprises and expecting the unexpected and so on. He was also born with a very prominent Uranus. In fact, his whole birth chart and the death chart, which is another whole story, is very astounding. And when he died, um, Vesta, Mercury, and Chiron were all in one degree of the Zodiac, which is a remarkable thing in and of itself to squeeze two, in one degree, three celestial bodies. So there were other things that went on at his passing. He was a very strange individual and, again, a hermit. He was extremely controversial. He developed a lot of anti-Semitic beliefs. Uh, so he became estranged from the world, from the United States, a very unusual figure. The last thing about Pallas, so he's born with the sun conjunct Pallas, and his palace is at that 14 plus Pisces degree, which is where the sun and, and uh, Pallas are progressed to for the United States. He dies when Pallas comes back there to the same exact degree. And Pallas cycles last three and a half to four years. So that's re remarkably astute, kind of synchronistic in and of itself. When he actually beat Boris Baskey in that summer of 72, the, the games started around July 11th. They lasted till August 31. And then on September 1, finally, I guess it was in the uh, time period of Iceland, he was considered, I think, Boris Spassky adjourned or said, you know, I'm done. And then Bobby Fischer became the, the first and only grand chess master from America, which had always been pretty much the Russians. And guess what was happening? The sun and palace were together making a conjunction in the sky at a proc at 10 degrees of Virgo, 10 plus degrees of Virgo. And during that whole time period of the summer when he was playing, Pallas Athena moving through Leo into early Virgo was moving through his first house of higher self-expression and was crossing over his north node, in Leo, which usually has to do with fate and destiny of a higher connection, as well as his Chiron, which is part of the reason why he was such an odd human being, that he was born with Chiron conjunct the North Node. And as I said, when he died, Chiron, Mercury, and Vesta were in a triple conjunction at the 15th degree of Aquarius, which itself is a PowerPoint. So this is a remarkable story of someone born with a Sun-Palace conjunction, dies when Pallas exactly comes back and has his greatest time of victory in the world when Saturn is coming back, which represents at age 29 to 30, 
the heights, hopefully, not for everybody, but it's the time of who am I, where am I going, what does my life mean, and having to make a mark in the world, and he certainly did that. And then he, he claims victory and wins that whole match and creates history in the making in terms of chess, in terms of America-Russia relations, when the Sun and Palace are in a conjunction. I'm going to end on that note. Many blessings to everybody. There are other topics that I'd like to talk about regarding where Palace will be moving uh, over the next several months into 2020 and beyond, but we'll start covering that at some fourth session. Thanks for listening. Many blessings to everybody, and bye for now.